Well, we're going to dive right into the Word tonight. Uh, let me set it up for you briefly. Last week, I very deliberately took some time to review and, and, and continue to establish foundation for what I believe we're to do on Wednesday nights uh, for all of this year. And does anybody know what we're calling this? Believe. believe. And we're believers. Any believers here tonight? And I'd rather be a believer than anything else, okay? And no matter what else you are, make sure that you're a believer on top of all of that. Hello? All right, good deal. And we need to know, though, what we believe, why we believe it, and can you articulate what you believe? We're, we're in a world where everything is getting really blurry, definitions keep sliding all over the place, and you need to know. You need to have some clarity and some articulation in your life that I know what I believe and why I believe it. I can share it. I can pass it on. And, and beyond that, it's just going to fortify uh, God's truth and God's power in your, in your own life. And the more that happens, the less you're going to be shaken uh, by things that, that do go on in the world all the time. And so uh, we're just going to dive on in. The last, last week, and, and, and let me just hit this. We're going, we are going to be talking about theology. And don't be afraid of that. Big, some big words are good for you. Okay? Venti, cappuccino. I speak several languages. Uh, but you need, you need to... Uh, understand and, and have a hold of a few things on this. And theology is the foundation for everything else in life. And what you believe governs your life. So we've got to be real clear on this. And so we're going through pretty much what we would call systematic theology. And we're not going to make it boring or dull because it's not boring and dull when done right. And uh, it's going to add to you. Um, you're going to be strengthened and encouraged. And this will be... Uh, easily received and digestible and I believe enjoyable and then you can pass it on as well. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've talked about the doctrine of revelation and how God is a God who wants to uh, not only know you but to be known and he reveals himself and he does that through revelation. He does it first of all through general revelation through creation and through conscious there's a moral law within, within all people. It can get seared. It can get ignored. But it's within all people. And that's because we're all made in the likeness and the image of God. And then we have special revelation. And for the most part, that comes from Scripture. And I want to move on tonight talking about some things about Scripture. And we want to talk about what is called the doctrine of inspiration. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks. Um, how many of your Bible is important to you? You're going to love it even more over the, over the next few weeks. There's some things that you need to come to understand, come to know, and come to fully embrace and believe about God's Word. And I'm telling you what, uh, it's going to be hitting on all cylinders in your life. And so uh, let's look tonight at the doctrine of inspiration. And we'll pick up here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're with me, say something, do something, make some kind of noise here. All right. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture, everybody say all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is inspired. Now, I need to just give you two words real quick here. We believe not just that the word of God is inspired 
And we'll talk about a few things over the next few weeks. How did we get the scripture? How did it come together? How did we end up with this, this canon, this holy book? Um, here's two words that we need to know about inspiration. First of all, we believe in verbal inspiration. Verbal. Everybody say verbal. And that means that we believe that, that every word, the very words of the Bible, of Scripture, are inspired of God. And the other type of inspiration is this, plenary, plenary. And it's just a fancy word that means this, the entire thing, the entire thing. So we believe as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, who hold to the authority of God's Word. Y'all with me? You look like I'm about to be deported or something here. We believe that this entire book and the very words of it, every word of it, is divinely inspired by God. Now, let's see a little bit further what that that means. And and let me tell you something. That is important. Now, we have one president. Well, I've been disappointed with a lot of presidents. But Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson sat at his desk and took a razor blade and literally cut out portions of Scripture that he didn't embrace. And he's got statues and stuff. But anyway, he did some other stuff. But wrong move, Tommy. You know? And and we're not playing that. We're not playing that. Verbal, plenary. Every word. The very words of this book and the entire book, divinely inspired by God. We don't have that option. We'll look at it in a moment. We don't have the option to play with it. Well, I don't like that one because that bothers what I like doing. And so let's keep going here. Inspiration really means God breathed. God breathed. How many of you have ever... um, seen maybe a, a, a speech or even a sermon uh, or a song that was not inspired. Hopefully not here. <laughs> okay. uh, but we all have. What, what does that mean? It was not inspired. And then other times uh, you get goosebumps. You move to tears. Uh, motivates you. You know, uh, it inspires you. Alicia said earlier that Jessica uh, Forte had inspired her to run. And it wasn't because she was complaining or this or that. She made it look like that is something I want to do. You know, it, it just moves you. We've all had people inspire you and in things. I have, I have ministers that inspire me. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll hear a song. Uh, hear somebody do a, a reading, uh, a sermon, something, and it just does something to you and it's inspired and the word of God should do this to us because it's inspired. And what it means is there's some life and passion being put into it. And God has put life and passion into his holy and written word. So every word, the entire book inspired by God, it's God's words, but he used people to put it together. Let me refer, refer here to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, moved by the Holy Spirit. So the prophets spoke and wrote as God moved them in the, in the original language. They were born or carried along. They were not just, not just prompted. They were moved by God to do some certain things. He used people. 
And that he used people that he had prepared for this. You've got to know that there was not... Even the apostles, the disciples, don't think that Jesus was going along one day and said, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll do a ministry. I think I'll get a ministry team. Hey, here's some guys by a fishing boat. Hey, guys, here's some guys by a tree. You know, it's not that. We'll find in Scripture that God had set some things up before those boys were even born. Now, in Jeremiah... One of the great prophets, Jeremiah 1, 5, the Lord says, before I formed you, watch this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart for something. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God had that set up. Do do y'all see this? God had that all set up way ahead of time. And then the, the great apostle Paul, Galatians 1, 15. But when it pleased God who separated me, set me apart, sanctified me from my mother's womb. That means while I was still in the womb, he was set apart for something. He called me through his grace. He was set apart to be the apostle who would receive the revelation, the mystery of the church. And God had set that up all ahead of time. And so God moved on holy men of old by his Holy Spirit to write the word. And it was not dictation, okay? It was not like, sit down, take a letter. He moved upon them. Now now get this, and this is part of what we have to just embrace about this. He included their personalities. He included their settings. He included their writing styles. There, There are different genres in here. There are different personalities that come through. But God Almighty was able to create and prepare people to be used for that, move on them, carry them along by the Holy Spirit, and then they write without error. This is important. We'll look at this through the next week. Without error, the exact thoughts and words of God. And that process is, is divine. That process, God guided. But it's the words themselves of Scripture that are what are, in, are inspired by God. Now, it is so precise. You need to know this. This is so precise that Jesus himself said, don't mess with it. Even the tiniest details. And let's look at this just for a moment. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 And 19, Jesus is speaking. He said, for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, everybody say jot. Did anybody else say that today before you said it tonight? Probably, probably not. Okay, here's a jot. A jot is the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the eighth letter of the Greek alphabet. It's the word iota. Have you heard that? Iota. It's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And it's characterizes itself and it simply means the smallest part of anything the smallest part of anything so he says let's go back to this heaven and, until heaven and earth pass away one jot or one tittle and the word tittle here is uh, it means little horn little horn it's an accent mark in writing it would be like a comma or an apostrophe it's a little horn it's a little, little what's that little thing in german stuff Umlau. 
But this uh, tittle, he said a jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, so shall, uh, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And the message paraphrases says, God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom. That's powerful. So the process is divinely guided, but the words are what are inspired. In 1 Corinthians 2, 13, in the middle of an incredible passage, I just had to end up cutting out parts of the passage so that we could get all this in tonight. 1 Corinthians 2, 13, it says this. These things we also speak, and it's talking about this. Let me set it up a little bit. That the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And he's trying to reveal to us the things that God has prepared for us. And he reveals those things to us by his Spirit. And then he goes down in verse... 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Watch this. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In some of the commentaries, it brings out that that literally means matching spiritual words to spiritual ideas and truths. So there's spiritual ideas and truths that by the Holy Spirit, he matched those in the hearts and minds of men. He matched those with spiritual words. These are not just empty words. Are y'all hearing me tonight? It's not just empty words. These are spiritual thoughts, ideas, truths that have been matched with spiritual words inspired by God revealed to us. Awesome. Inspired means God breathed. God breathed. It is the inbreathing of life. It is the breath that makes it alive. Now, how many of you read? I mean, like you act, not that you can read, but you do read. More than People magazine. Okay, good. Um, Have you ever read books that were just like, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm having to read a lot. Uh, for school. And I don't want to give it, get into it. <laughs> it's good. But I mean, some of the books that I'm having to read, I've never read at this level before. Some of, the, some of these are like Danish theologians translated into German, translated into English. And now, and, and, and one of them is only like 110 pages. It took me a month almost to get through that thing. It's like, you said what? And, and, and just to go through and, and get all that. And some of it is just like, it's hard. And just reading that. And it's, it's, it's got great things in it. But it's just like. And if I wasn't being made to read it. I would not read it. And if you're reading a novel, sometimes you're reading something and it's inspired. It moves you. And then other things, it's just like, okay, I'm done with this book. Well, you need to know that every word and this entire book 
If you ever have a problem with this, um, you just need to learn to take the medicine of this. Learn to realize this. Don't view this as a tired old dead book. And sometimes our, introdu- our introduction to this was tired and dead. You know, when my whole family got saved when I was in like sixth grade. And my stepfather, he comes first service on Sundays. He's completely German and big. And back then, he'd, he, when he got saved, he was an angry alcoholic. So now three weeks later, he's trying to lead family devotions. How many know it takes a little more than two, three weeks to, <laughs> to do that? Right? So I get in here, sit down. We're reading Leviticus. <laughs> Everybody say, praise the Lord. It's like, God, I, I like you better drunk. I'm running away. So honestly, that my introduction to that made me like, Ah, this this is not so fun. And so guess what? We're being a little bit. We're being re-educated a little. We're being re-educated to God's word. If you just know, if you just know it's alive. Everybody say it's alive. It's alive. And why is it alive? Because God breathed into it. Now, I had these scriptures ready. I'm not going to read them all right now for the sake of time. Back in Genesis 2, um, God created man out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into his nostrils the what? Breath of life. And man became what? A living being. In the book of Ezekiel, in the vision of the valley of dry bones, he he said, prophesy to the breath that the breath would breathe on the slain and they will live. There's something about the coming of the breath of God that makes alive. In John 20, Jesus had the disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they became the the first types of the new creation, new creation. And so then we come to Hebrews chapter four. Let's look here. Hebrews four, verse 12. I'm enjoying this. It says, for the word of God is, y'all help me. It's living and powerful. I want you to say it. it's living and powerful. It's living and powerful. So that idiot, the devil, the enemy of your soul, is trying to blind you from seeing that. And make you think somehow that it's dead and boring. It is what though? Living it's living and it's powerful. If you get it in you. More life and power comes into your spirit, your soul, your body. The enemy or your soul is trying to to tell you, (laughs) it's dead and boring. You need to counter that. You need to open your mouth and say, it is living and powerful. Watch this, Just, just part of its entrance here. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharp than any two edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts 
and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive. It's living. It's powerful. Jesus said in Matthew 4, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Did you catch that word live? You don't live by bread alone. How many know bread's good, though? Can I get a better? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So man shall not live by bread alone, but he shall, and insert this, it's implied, he's going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now that's present right there. That's present tense, proceeds. And that means that it is both constant, it is happening now, and it is ongoing, constant. Why? Because it's alive. Listen to me. The word of God was not just spoken and written. It continues to speak. I said it continues to speak. It continues to speak. It's still inspired. This is, this is not a book you put on the shelf with all the other books. This is not a book that you said, yeah, I read that one. Would you like to borrow mine? No, you keep it near and you keep it dear. It's living. It's powerful. It still speaks. In Isaiah, he said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It's continuing to go forth out of his mouth. It will not return to him void. It will accomplish what he spoke it, what he sent it out to do. And it's not only inspired, it's profitable. As we go back to our uh, opening scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. And I want us to look and see a couple of things that it's profitable to do. Uh, first of all, let's just do this one by memory. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So that word hearing carries the idea of, uh, of faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes. That's the word I was after. Faith comes. That word actually has to do with being energized, coming alive. Faith comes alive when you hear God's word. That's, that's why... Um, good news from a far land is like refreshing water to you. And when you hear God's word, when you're going through something, you've got a situation, whatever it would be, when you hear God's word, it does something on the inside of you. It causes faith to be energized and faith to arise. The other thing that hearing the word of God does is it can bring you to a point of salvation. And can I tell you, salvation's the whole deal. In 2 Timothy 3.15, that just precedes our, our main text tonight, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are, watch this carefully, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. It can bring you to the point of salvation. Romans 1 talks about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then let's look at some of the other benefits here. It's profitable. It's useful. It's advantageous for us because it's inspired. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. We started out with that tonight, but I want to read this in the new living translation. All scripture. Everybody say all scripture, all scripture, really all scripture as in every word. As in the whole book, y'all are the A-team, I'm telling you. A-plus for everyone tonight. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but that idiot, the the enemy of your soul, he's trying to make you think that the word is not useful. But because it's inspired, it's useful. Here's what it's useful to do. To and, And let's just break these down real quick and I'll let them land on you. It's useful to teach us what is true. Hollywood's trying to tell you what's true. Washington's trying to tell you what's true. You got some goobers down the road from your house trying to tell you what's true. Can you say that in church? God's word is useful to teach you what is true. And to make us realize, oh, you're not going to like this one. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can I remind you of something? The best thing that can ever happen to you is to find out what's wrong with you. If you go for golf lessons, the best thing that can happen is find out what you're doing wrong. You go for trumpet lessons. The best thing that can happen is find out what you're doing wrong. And part of the inspired word of God, what it's profitable and useful to do, it shows you what's wrong with you. I would rather God tell me what's wrong with me than somebody else. If you judge yourself, then you don't have to be judged. I'd rather expose myself to the mirror, to the light, to the surgery table of God and let, let his word say, you're, you're prideful, you're stubborn, you're this, you're that. I'd rather this. All right. It corrects us when we are wrong. Teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Listen to it in the message paraphrase. Every part of scripture. I love the way he put that. Every part of scripture is God breathed. And useful in one way or another. Showing us truth. Exposing our rebellion. Correcting our mistakes training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Say amen on that one. And look in Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord. Is is that inspired? The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. And then Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. it says, your words were found and I ate them. Now, what did we find out in Hebrews? Another they're inspired, but they're also what they're, they're living. They're living. Um, there are times where I've called Alicia and I said, Hey, I just picked up the kids and, uh, they want a snack and then we'll be home. And, uh, she said, where are you going for a snack? Uh, they wanted to go to the convenience store. 
And mom says, do not let them eat dead food. Because how many of you know that at most convenience stores, there's not a lot of live food. All right. Well, the word of God is, and, and why is that? Because you are what you eat. And so we've got to eat something that's closest to what, how God made it here. And he says, your words were found and I ate them. And that's, that's a metaphor. I don't want you chewing on your Bible. <laughs> and your word, everybody say your word. Your word was to me. The joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I cannot tell you how many times in about 30 years of ministry that I run into people, believers. They're believers. They would never come on a Wednesday night, okay? So I'm not talking about you. (laughs) Who got to share something with me about their life? You remember those little puppet things where a little plastic sand, you push the thing on the bottom and the string goes down? Right? And they're like, how you doing, old pastor? <laughs> Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your what? If you'll read the context of that, it says because they were given understanding in the word that the joy of the Lord was their strength. And believers need to be strong. And I can tell, I can tell, you can tell. You can tell about yourself and you can tell about other people. When your joy level is down, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. (laughs) We all got situations. But we also have the inspired living, active, powerful word of God, that if you would eat it, it will be to you joy and rejoice. It will be strength to your heart and to your spirit. And I don't know if I told you this already tonight, but that idiot, the enemy of your soul would try to block you and say, no, no, it's just a book. No, no, it's boring. It's dead. You know, it's just... That's just religious works. I'm telling you, if you'll get it in you, it is the joy and rejoicing. And you tell on yourself when you you come up to everybody. Y'all just pray for me. And I I sometimes want to say, no, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you until you do what you know you need to do. And go eat. Go eat of the word of God and let it do. I pray you'll go do that. Because if we just pray that your situation gets off of you, you haven't gained anything. But you and I have at our disposal the inspired Word of God. And I'm going to say, Meadowbrook Church, you're without excuse because we teach the Word of God. We've laid out series. You can find all the stuff online, all the tools, everything, so you know how to read. You know how to study. There's small groups all over the place you can get in. You can bum a verse off of somebody. I mean, there's a million ways for you to have joy and rejoicing in your heart. Let me just wrap this up tonight. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. 
You know what that means? Don't voluntarily cooperate with the enemy of your soul. Deceive yourself. How do you deceive yourself? You hear the word. You got all excited a minute ago. And you're hearing. Now you need to go do it. It's inspired. These are spiritual truths and ideas that come from God. Connected to spiritual words that he breathed into that they're alive. And if you'll just get them on the inside of you. And you'll start to do them. You're going to have to honor God's divinely inspired inspired word. And when you do, that's where blessing comes into your life. I'm tired. I'm, and listen, don't hear me harsh or anything else. That's, that's part of this thing from what's in my heart. Everybody wants a miracle. You don't really need a miracle. You need to walk in blessing. And the way you walk in blessing is you hear and you do. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He's, he's given us and so if we'll hear it, make it our business, honor it so much that I'll love it and I'll learn it and I'll do it. He said, if you hear it and do it, you'll be blessed. I'd rather walk on the path of blessing from obeying God, having his word in my life, enjoy and rejoicing in my heart. I'd rather do that than all the time. I need a miracle. Y'all hear me? God's word. That's what we need to get out of this. God's word is inspired. It's divinely inspired. Verbal, plenary. Every word. The entire book. Divinely inspired. It's living and powerful. Honor it. Eat it and let it produce in your life what God intended for it. You'll never be the same. Inspired word of God. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?